Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. I'm a fan of classic movies. The dear departed once said to me, I never met an ape I didn't like. Look, it's a man! In heaven's name, get rid of that creature! Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! He can talk. He can talk, 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 he can talk. I can sing. Oh, help me, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. If man was superior, why didn't he survive? You did it. Cut up his brain, you bloody baboon! What I know of man was written long ago. Set down by the greatest ape of all, our lawgiver. <laughs> you maniacs! You blew it up! Damn you! God damn you all to hell! 20th Century Fox wants you to go ape. Hello and welcome to Overlapping Dialogue, a podcast of audio commentaries dedicated to discussing cinema that fascinates us in a way we hope fascinates you. We're your co-host, Colin Levi Huffman. I'm Kyle. I'm Levi. And here we are back for our fourth installment of our Apathon. Have you have you chosen yet to go ape? That's the question. Me, yeah, uh, and the proverbial audience. But we'll, we'll start so. with you. Mentally, yes. Uh, You've gone I will ape. say, as much as I love these movies, in this first, you know, group, yeah, of them, these five, it's it's like, all right, what are we going to talk about this week? Kind of at the beginning of all of these, and we got things we're going to talk about. So, yeah, be clear. No, no but, definitely. And uh, I mean, you, you know. know it just becomes it's, repetitive. It's easy to run out of steam talking about these kind of movies, which is a f- unfortunate because this movie in particular, I think, is yeah. among the most exciting entries in the yeah. franchise. Um, and that is Conquest of the... Is it on, of or for? Of, excuse me. Yeah. Of the Planet of the Apes. 
from 1972. A great year for cinema. You know, we got The Godfather. Uh, we got Cabaret. Uh, and we got Conquest for... Uh, 1776. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, let, let me step in. No. I've still yet to see that. Uh, I mean, it isn't all that bad. There's there's things about that movie I like. As someone uh, who's a fan of musical in American history, uh, you know, I'd like it, to check it out. It's actually not that bad of a movie. It's fine, but but I don't want to name it among those you know, other movies. It's one, you see something like that, and you really come to the conclusion, like, you know, what, you know, it's just a what if. What if somebody took the life of, like, I don't know, oh, Alexander Hamilton and did, like, a hip-hop version of it? You know, yeah. like I don't think what that would done be that like. Yet, well, so. again, let's throw it out. Well, when maybe somebody get around to it. I don't know. Um, I'm a big fan of Hamilton, by the way. I don't want to yeah. make it look like well, I'm derisively. Maybe, maybe we, uh, maybe it's a time travel Planet of the Apes situation where we gave Lin Manuel the idea and he went back in time. And maybe so. And did it. Um, but then he already had created it too. Yes. So how did he? Ooh, who knows? It's time travel. Um, but yes, yeah, 1776. One of the things I like. <laughs> Talking Let's about. go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got to fill some time here. Yeah. No, I, just, I mean, we've got enough things to talk about. But um, there's going to be uh, a, there's going to be some big Don Murray discussions. Yeah, a little bit, uh, so prepare for that. Well, the 1776. I think the most interesting thing about that movie is the uh, first of all, John Adams, who's played by Mr. Feeney from uh, Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. Let me uh, look up that guy's name because I feel bad that I can't remember it. Um, his relationship between he Abigail and Adams. Uh, Abigail Adams is very good. It's like they're it's like through letters, which they wrote, but a lot they're of. shouting at the sky, right? But they're talking, but back they're and forth. talking, yeah. yeah. And it's it's interesting. I, I I like that about it. Um, William Daniels was that guy, right? Um, and then also, um, yeah, that's a, that's kind of the only really big actor, uh. In that, that I. Well, really if they did remember. that today, you know, the first person I thought of that would be like a good Ben Franklin is uh, Clint Howard. Is um, <laughs> Ben Franklin? Just putting uh, that out there if you're remaking that. Yeah, the, uh, the guy that played him, Howard De Silva. I mean, looks like him. Um, yeah. In that, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's an all right movie. I have random issues with it. There's a section in the movie where I believe it's South Carolina pretty sure there is a uh, a musical number celebrating slavery mm. now i don't remember the context in the movie it seemed but it didn't feel like it was enough against it yeah. either and uh it, it's very strange um and that's something that i think about a lot and i'm like i can't believe that made it into a movie even in the 70s um yeah but uh yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's all right, but it's not even as good as it should be. Um, but it's a perfectly. It's funny. It's a, it comes it, on TCM every Fourth of July. Yeah, it's funny know. because it's actually a pretty memorably forgettable movie. Like there, I actually think about it a random amount, but it's actually not that uh, interesting sure. as you would think it would be. Yeah. Anyway, other nineteen seventy two movies, we can go through that later. Maybe. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. offhand, those are some of the first ones that jumped to yeah. mind. I can't think of some yeah, we'll, we'll offhand. We'll talk about it later. Um, so, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Um, and this is our fourth out of nine total, I guess we're doing. Uh, so, yeah. we're almost halfway there, living yeah. on a prayer. Levi, why don't you walk us through kind of the brief synopsis of the movie as well as some of the sure. key members of um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, 1972 American science fiction film directed by J. Lee Thompson. Um not Lee J. Thompson. Or Lee J. Cobb. 
Now, Lee J. Cobb. Oh, no, no. That's what I was thinking of. I'm sorry, Lee J. Cobb. I bet you $5 million those apes are going to kill us all or something, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, maybe we can talk about Lee. I actually have some things I'd like to say about Lee J. Cobb really quickly. Sure. So, first of all, great actor. Um, Very memorably. Obviously, the two biggest things I think people remember him from from the 50s is 12 Angry Men and uh, On the Waterfront. Right. And I think On the Waterfront is. Well, it's weird. Obviously, his best performance is 12 Angry Men. You know, it's kind of the performance. But I think he is really great in um, On the Waterfront. And he's not even in it a whole lot. Funnily enough, Rod Steiger isn't even in that movie as much as you would remember. Because right. a lot of that movie, rightfully so, is between Marlon Brando and uh, even Marie Saint. And a but, of uh, Carl uh, Malden thrown in there. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was in that. I forgot. The priest. That's right. Um, but... Uh, which is basically like a Pat O'Brien role in like yeah, Angels of yeah, Dirty Faces. Very true. But um, anyway, we're going all over the place. One thing though, I want to say about The Exorcist. Um, oh yeah, he is. Now. Which and see you, it's both unmemorable and yet ruins the movie in a way. Um, so obviously The Exorcist, which would come out a year after this, nineteen seventy three, one of the biggest horror movies of all time, one of the most successful, most beloved. Um, is a movie that I quite like, but I actually have a lot of problems with as far as I wish I could get into the editor. I've heard uh, um, Joe Dante say stuff like this before. Say, I wish I could get in the editing room on that movie because there's a lot of random little things, and and I won't spend a lot of time talking about that because we'll probably either do that movie one of these days or we will do another uh, William Friedkin movie, and that will give me more of a chance to talk about it. But there's certain things about that movie you could change. One of those is you totally get rid of Lee J. Cobb's character because um, in in that, the the problem is that it, it, everything else is going on, right? Yeah. A demon has literally possessed a little girl and is wreaking havoc. You also have a... You know, priest that is dealing with these problems of doubt and and disbelief over even God and losing his faith, and then all oh, by the way, in the middle of this, you have Lee J. Cobb coming in as an investigator mm-hmm. over some murders and things that have been going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I know that it's trying to add another, and maybe that's the thing that was in the novel, the William Peter Blatty novel. I don't yeah. know, but he wrote this. Oh, I think he. I think he wrote the screenplay for that, adapted it. Anyway, um, and it, it just feels very added on, and there's a lot of scenes between Lee J. Cobb and uh, the guy that plays the, the priest. can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, uh, uh, Jason Miller, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did William P. Brady right there? Uh, yes. He okay, yeah, I thought he adapted it. Um, but I, really, anyways, I, I don't know enough. as much about the production history of that movie. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt if Freak can change things. Yeah, or, you know, but but anyway, know. I just feel like that is just a totally unneeded character. Who it's weird because I I feel bad saying I don't want to see Lee J Cobb in a movie because he's so great. Yeah, and he does, and he has a good performance in the movie. But it's just like, why do we need any of this to be happening at all? Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> a random thing to be talking about. I forgot, about, but... I was looking about Lee J. Cobb here, that he actually was the very first Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman on the oh, original really? Broadway that makes uh, sense. version. Yeah. Uh, it said, star on the first four seasons of the Western series The Virginian. 
Hmm. Often played arrogant, intimidating, and abrasive characters. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, he's one of those people you know was an a-hole in real life. You know, I mean, it's clear um, on the screen. Oh, gosh, uh, there's another version of that. Uh, got played Patton. Um, oh, George C. Scott. George C. Scott, oh, yeah. you can tell. Oh, yeah. They should have played, like, brothers and something. Oh, man, they look a lot alike, <laughs> yeah. too. No, and anyway, I, I know we'll talk about Lee J. Cobb another time, but I wanted to sure. bring all that up now because... It's one of those things where uh, it just all... This is our first yeah. version, the first iteration of Cobb Talk. Um, yes. We'll <laughs> but, anyways... Yeah. Um, Which could encompass the Tommy Lee Jones movie, Cobb. Yes. And Ty Cobb was supposedly also a big a yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones has been known to be yeah. abrasive as well. So, anyways... Some, there's something so, about that Cobb. Yeah, anyway, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, we'll get to J. Lee Thompson a little bit. But this is written by Paul Dean again. So, this is the fourth of the five of the originals, as you know by now. Uh, this movie is essentially about... It's in North America in 1991. So Scary enough. As you were... Yeah. <laughs> Terminator 2 coming out that year. Mm -hmm. Which wouldn't... I mean, I guess it wouldn't have in this situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, it's basically about Caesar has grown up um, and has kind of been taken care of by the Ricardo Multibon character and kind of helped along. Um... And basically, he's like a, uh, let's see, uh, evaded death. It says he evaded death, was secretly raised by the circus owner Armando as a young horseback rider. Um, basically, he just helps with the circus. But anyway, where America is at at this point is there was a large pandemic of a space-borne disease that wiped out all dogs and cats in 1983. And the government has become a series of police states that took apes as pets before establishing a culture based on ape slave labor. Um, it's important to remember also, if you're following all the continuity of this, that these events were foretold in 1973 as testimony by two chimpanzee scientists, chimpanzee scientists Cornelius um, and Zira. So mm -hmm. um, it's important to note, of course, that was that self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, the Another thing about that, though, that uh, we need to, you know, remember and something i want to talk about later is if there's possibly uh changes that happen to the timelines but we can talk about that maybe in the next movie because we're going to need more to talk about with that one for sure yeah um but anyway so that's basically what this is about and it's basically a massive police state um and basically the, this the is apes are subjugated in a roundabout way this is the bridge in a lot of ways between uh that last one of the self-fulfilling prophecy of you know uh, Zira and Cornelius, you know, yeah. dying, and uh, Caesar, who should be said is played by Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Uh, it, this is the bridge between kind of him being the baby of the last movie and him becoming the leader of the ape revolution, yeah. basically. Right. Um, so this movie has to do, I feel like, a lot of work plot-wise, and so it could kind of be a laborious movie, and I think on paper the last one would have been the action-packed, yeah. thrilling ver movie, but actually this is, I think... Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly battle is action-packed, but this one has a lot of uh, new ideas that it's also yeah. even appropriating into this series as well, or expansions of past yeah. ideas. Well, and say. we'll talk about that in the theme, something I want to say about the concept of revolution and uh, certain things about that. But yeah. yeah, do we want to go ahead and jump to the yeah, cast sure. real quick? But yeah, I, get, uh, I mean, it's actually a pretty simple plot of a movie. Uh, I think it's actually one of the simplest of all of them because it's simply, okay, apes overthrow... You know, and of course, this would prove to be very, very influential uh, on uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. It would be basically yeah. the same thing. 
Um, but so the cast. Roddy McDowell, of course, is Caesar. One thing I want to say about him here, we were watching the uh, original ending a moment ago, which we'll talk about that here in a little bit, um, about why there are two endings in this movie and what that means. Um, it, he's a little bit, he plays it a little bit different. Yeah. Um, he's a little bit feistier um, than Cornelius because what was interesting about Cornelius, of course, was we've said this a bunch of times on here now, but that he's the, uh, comparatively between him and Zira, Zira is the more... Uh, progressive, what's the word? progressive uh, or more feisty, and Cornelius agrees with a lot of those things, but is a little more reticent to speak sure. his mind. But here, uh, he, you know, slowly kind of comes to be who he is. But by the end, is a total firebrand revolutionary leader. Yeah. Um. But uh, so yeah, it's a little bit of a different performance. I don't really remember him a whole lot in battle. We'll kind of get to that. Yeah. Later. But this, he's a little more memorable, obviously. Sure. Um, do you have anything to add? About well, I think what is sad about uh, the narrative of this movie and with Roddy McDowell's Caesar is that he doesn't really have anybody to talk about these themes with and converse with. He's kind of a la- ape left on his own because at least the way I remember it is he's leading a lot of these apes, but he's clearly the most intelligent and most yeah, articulate. Yeah. And so... Even with the last one, which had a tragic ending, Zira and Cornelius had themselves still a dialogue and a back and forth about, yeah. uh, at least if nothing else, they were there for one another, to comfort one another. Yeah. Caesar in this is a product of what happens at the end of that third movie is on his own. And is and so... And eventually, you know, gets where he a, gets to yeah. by the end of the movie is a very dark, um, demented place, even if you... Even if you watch the original ending, uh, or the originally released, re-edited, yeah. theatrical version. Uh, yeah, well, and also he does get the, a girlfriend through the movie, uh, played by Natalie Trundy as Lisa. But you're right at the end, at the beginning, and ultimately. Anyway, well, also he's not somebody yeah. who has any memories of what the yes. ape civilization was in the right. same way that even Zero and Cornelius yeah. did. So. Um, He's really kind of on an island on a, of his own throughout most of this movie, I feel, and which is kind of sad and would only lead one to jump to many of the conclusions that I think an right. he and his the ape kind do. Right. Um, so, yeah. So yeah. it is cool to see Roddy McDowell, a person we're familiar with, but also doing a new kind of role right. a little bit compared um, to Second boy. biggest role, Don Murray, yeah. um, who's actually been in a lot of things, but we'll say quickly and then talk about it even more, that we most remember him in Twin Peaks recently. Um, he was Return, uh, yeah. Bushnell Mullins, who was uh, the uh, basically boss of the uh, uh, Dougie Jones character. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. So that, there's a lot to explain about that, I guess. We'll go uh, We'll go through his other credits before we talk right. about him in Twin Peaks. Um, Okay, so his first kind of major role... By the way, he's still with us. He's 91. Yeah. Supposedly, he's one of the oldest... Um, he's got a birthday in, a, what, a week? Less uh, than that. Go, yeah, this it says, week. by the way, at the bottom it says, List of Oldest Living Academy Award Winners and Nominees, which I'm going to go over there and look at that in a minute. Hang on. Uh, yes, his birthday will be July 31st, so only in a few days. It will have been his birthday... Uh, actually, the day after we released yeah. this, so... Uh, Hopefully, so, yeah. he makes it to 92. Uh, I'm going to jump over here really quickly and look at oldest living uh, winners and nominees and stuff. The oldest living winner 
is Clint Eastwood. Best for best director. Right. Um because Sidney Poitier is ninety four. Yeah. Um and then the oldest living nominee is Norman Jewison. Um I didn't know he was still alive. Hmm. And then also Poitier is still pretty old there too and he's in there. And then Don Murray and uh, Glennis Johns. She's nice. Um and she's ninety seven actually. So she's actually the oldest. Um I was actually just reading last night I started the uh once Upon a Time in Hollywood book, and she was mentioned very briefly early on in that, so that's actually funny. I didn't know that. Um, wait, did she write Sending the Clowns? Or it was written for her. Okay. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he's one of the oldest living um, nominees. He was nominated, I believe, yeah, for uh, a movie called Bus Stop with Marilyn Monroe. That was his first uh kind of film bachelor party a hat full of rain that's a great name yeah um from hell to texas was that a western it was um these thousand hills shake hands with the devil Mm -hmm. Hmm. one foot in hell (laughs) which is a uh alan ladd i think yeah alan ladd let me see yeah okay i thought there was somebody else in that that wasn't but anyway um, Advising Consent, that's kind of a big movie, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Otto Preminger, right. that, I believe. The Hoodlum Priest, a little bit before that, too. Um, let's see, I'm gonna Escape from East Berlin. these. Yep. Call Me By My Rightful Name. Uh, this, of course, um, I Am The Cheese. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 1983. Yeah. Peggy Sue Got Married, that's probably one of the other biggest yeah. things he's Coppola. in I've heard of. Television films, there's some. None of them look... The Boy Who Drank Too Much. The Boy Who Drank Too Much, yeah. Police Story, Confessions of a Lady Cop. Hmm. Yeah, not as much of that. As far as TV, he was in a lot of TV. uh, Playhouse 90s and uh, The Outcast, Disneyland, Police Story, Orson Welles, Great Mysteries. No, that was a show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love Story, I'm guessing that was an adaptation of the movie. Probably... uh, or actually, no, it was an anthology story. Okay. Or anthology Matlock. show. Matlock. Matlock, T.J. Hooker, Hotel, uh, How the West Was Won, TV yeah, show. Murder, She Wrote. Knott's Landing. That's another big show. Mm-hmm. Um, and Twin Peaks. I think what, you know, among many actors who are forced to uh, um, interact with Dougie Jones, I think what's great about him is that Dougie Jones himself acts kind of like a... Uh, an old man who's lost his way of sorts in terms yeah. of, but he himself is an old man. Is like right. this, even he's like this guy's ridiculous. Right? Like, yeah. Why can't he get with the program? Basically, yeah. um, and again, he was, you know, I think Tarantino gets a lot of credit, justifiably so, for casting a lot of old faces and yeah. names people kind of sort of recognize, but like don't quite haven't seen in a while. You know. Yeah. Um, Lynch also has a habit of doing this as well because obviously Lynch has a grand affinity for 50s culture and of a lot of kind of forgotten 50s arcana and uh, ephemera and so obviously he would be familiar with Don Murray yeah. and like a, the great many of the things he would have been involved in so he's again he, we love him and especially in the return but even in this um, very memorable in terms of being like you know uh a villain who almost seemingly gets off and loving just kind yeah. of the destruction and another uh, another kind others. of big actor actually that 
uh, I remember being in the return was a John Savage, um, yeah. who hadn't been in anything I'd seen in a while. So that I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say that that he actually Lynch does that quite a bit as well. Um, and one thing I like about that character of Mullins is that he kind of starts out as like, oh, the mean boss mm-hmm. doesn't really get what's going on, like you know, and just very much, why are you acting like this, yeah. you know? Um, but then there's but, a very special scene between Dougie and Bushnell that we'll give you just a taste of here. What the hell are all these childish scribbles? How, how am I going to make any sense out of this? Make sense of it. I'm thinking you may need some good professional help, Dougie. Dougie. I want you to keep this information to yourself. This is disturbing, to say the least. I'll take it from here, but I may need your help again. You've certainly given me a lot to think about. Think about. And that scene really sums up, too, in general, how much of the return you know, like, it has very long scenes yeah. and scenes you're like, especially you watch it for the first time, you're like, where is this going? And, like, you almost get, we loved it, but yeah. uh, almost get frustrated by it, and you, yeah. and you can tell as being made to withhold things from you and to make you wait well, and, and that's to what's be funny patient, too, is know. that I'm sure there are so many people who watch that show who are, like, why, or angry, and they're like, why was this 18 episodes? Yeah. You know. and It certainly like, doesn't have 18 episodes worth of plot. No, it doesn't. I mean, you could fit all that into... But that's not the point either. Yeah, yeah. Let me just be clear about that. Yeah, or 10 maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, it's better because it's that longer. Um, But but yeah, as far as as that scene goes, I mean, you only heard kind of parts of it, but to see it visually is even funnier. But uh, there's that part where, like I, I was telling you this when we were first watching it, I swear I thought when he looks up and there's that picture of Mullins like used to be a boxer and it's like young Don Murray as a boxer and that he puts his hands up. I swear I thought he was going to punch him or something. I mean, in that show, that wouldn't have been that crazy. Um, But yeah, and then by the end, of course, he's like, oh, he's uncovered this whole massive conspiracy and like, you know. And then um, what I love too about... um, so much of Dougie's behavior, once it becomes an aid to someone or virtuous to someone, any weirdness is just wiped away. Nobody's yeah. like, oh, Dougie's a great guy. Nobody's like, oh, thanks, Dougie, but why are you acting still? Yeah. The way? You know what I mean? That never matters after a certain point. Right. And then, I mean, when Cooper awakes, uh, spoiler alert, uh, he shakes his hand and says, you're yeah. a fine man, Bushnell Mullins. Yeah, so, uh, because that's what I was going to say, too, is that's what's interesting about the whole concept of Dougie Jones um, which, by the way, it gets confused. Dougie Jones, he is not Dougie Jones. He is Cooper, 
who people think is Dougie Jones. Dougie Jones is no longer alive. Right. It's easier to call him Dougie Jones, but that isn't what he is. So yeah. anyway, but um, by the way, if if any of y'all are listening, to this have no clue what we're talking about. Go look it all up. Yeah. We could explain it, but we don't At have one time. Point we will, undoubtedly. It's for you to find out. Yeah. Um, that would actually be a show I'd be interested in doing a commentary of all of actually yeah. one of these days. But that's that would be its whole own situation to go yeah. through. Um, but anyway, what I find interesting about the Dougie Jones Cooper concept is that he essentially brings out the best things in people, these terrible people. Like, Mullins isn't a terrible guy at the start, but he's just like, oh, he's a boss of an insurance company. He's this old codger. He's been there forever. But, oh, man, he actually brings out the good in him. And he's like, oh, you are a good man. Or even uh, Tom Sizemore's character, um, who, you know, is part of that conspiracy that gets brought out, eventually does come to the light and is like, no, I want to be good and help out and blah, 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 and he turns out to be good. And then also, especially the, uh, uh, oh gosh, what are their names? The uh, the brothers. Yeah, Belushi. The, the, and, yeah. Uh, oh, man. Now I'm aggravated because I can't remember their names. We're going to have to look that up. But those two brothers, um, by the way, I want to just say... Two out of the four of these people that we're discussing, uh, which are uh, Tom, Tom Sizemore, Sizemore and one of those brothers, Mitchum brothers. the Mitchum brothers, uh, what was that other guy's name that is not him? Let's see. Uh, the actor. The actor's name is Robert Kepner. Yeah, Robert Kepner and uh, Tom Sizemore have both been accused in various Me Too. Kepper. Uh, Kepper. Various Me Too things. So, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but um so yeah, it turns out they really weren't all that good. Um but anyway that like that uh Dougie Cooper brings that out in those people right. and brings them to the light in a way. Yeah, of, Don Murray know, is uh as Bushnell Mullins is seen as revealed to be who you know, a good right. virtuous. Yeah, kind he's of man. the best person out of that group because he's never he what he didn't start as bad, uh, but those other people did. But yeah. anyway. Um so yeah. Don Murray, great. Yeah, I mean, you know what was funny, though, is when we first watched this movie, it was while that show was on, actually. Uh, yeah. And I don't even think that we realized it in the moment that it was him, but we very quickly were like, oh, wait, that's yeah. Bushnell Mullins. So, yeah. Anyway, so, yep, great. Ricardo Maltabon back as Armando. He's in this movie a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Um, we, we talked, talked about Maltabon last, last week, yeah. yeah. Natalie Trundy we've talked about as well. Uh, wife of Arthur P. Jacobs, the producer. She plays an ape here. Yeah. Um, I don't remember her character very much in the movie, but it, it is important to note that at the end, uh, the kind of change that was made uh, in the ending, which we're going to get to talk about that later, um, was that she uh, shouted the word no, and yeah. that that made him think, and he, she was the first ape to speak other than him. Yeah. And that made him actually think about, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't do this, or whatever. So, um, but, so, we can talk about that later, I guess. But, anyway, so, moving on. Harry Rhodes is McDonald. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly who he was in the movie. Culp, it says. No, the Harry Rhodes. Oh, no, excuse me. Um, I don't yeah, remember him in the movie exactly. Um, Look him up, what he looks like. On, yeah. 
Oh, wait a minute. I think I do remember. Yeah, okay, he is that uh, African-American character in the movie. Um, and he's kind of like a voice of reason yeah. towards the end of the movie. Um, but as far as the movies he's been in, um, the biggest one is Shot Corridor. He was Trent. He was the... In that movie, if, if you haven't seen it, he's the character that... Um, is black but he thinks he's a member of the kkk he's like in a mental institution and he runs around screaming and all this racist stuff and um, that's a you know really interesting character and a really great movie the satan bug which i haven't seen but that john sturgis movie i've always wanted to see um taffy and the jungle hunter some kids kids movie yeah mirage blindfold this movie of course detroit 9000 coma Sharky's Machine. Burt Looks Reynolds, like that's yeah. kind of the biggest movie other than uh, Shark Corridor. Um, but yeah, uh, I can't remember. No, he wasn't in Conquest. Uh, I mean, in uh, Battle. I couldn't remember if he was in there yeah. or not. I didn't think so. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's good in the movie, I guess. I don't really remember. It is interesting, lot. and I think we can talk about this more in the movie itself, that as a black man in this time playing the voice of reason to try to calm the apes down, right. there's certainly some, that's, you know, speaking to the moment that it's right. involved in. Um, Severin Darden as Culp, um, he's, I think, just kind of part of the the uh, government mm-hmm. people. Uh, yeah, because he's actually the same character in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Okay. So I think he's kind of the villain in that, I think. Um, he's actually, it looks like in a lot of random movies, um, we'll go through them real quickly. Model Shop, the, uh, Jacques Demy film, very yeah. good, as Portly Man. Mm-hmm. Um, they shoot horses, don't they, as Cecil, pretty good movie. Pussycat, Pussycat, I Love You, yeah. the sequel, uh, to What's New Pussycat. Um, let's see. Werewolves on Wheels. That's a movie I really want to see. Mm-hmm. Werewolves on Wheels. The last movie, who's also Dude. the composer, <laughs> as Mayor. Cisco Pike. Uh, is that uh, Chris Christopherson? Yeah. yeah. Another future point uh, of the age The War so Between Men and Women, which is a movie with Jack Lemmon and Barbara Harris and Jason Robards. Okay. Every Little Crook and Nanny. Um, what? said, Victor Mature came out of retirement in a, for that movie said, they caught me when I felt like saying yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. This movie, of course, uh, Play It As It Lays. I've kind of heard of that. Yeah. Um, with Joan Didion, or it was written by Joan Didion. And John Gregory Dunn, who I believe was, yeah, related. Because she's related to Griffin Dunn. Um, Dirty Little Billy. Akin to Dirty Little Virus, yeah, maybe it was yeah. the inspiration. <laughs> COVID-19 is on the scene. The boys and the girls can't stop their world. Grandfather's dead, got drunk instead. Our grind, I'm losing my mind. Dirty little virus sleeping inside us. Day of the is Dolphin. It no, oh. it isn't. <laughs> Battle for the Planet of the Apes, of course. Um, we had said that. He's yeah. kind of the same character as this. The Day of the Dolphin. 
Greatest poster of all time. Yeah. He trained a dolphin to kill the president of the Unwittingly. United States. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Excuse me. It, it says above that. George C. Scott, Michael, uh, or Mike Nichols film. Um, I wonder who's killing her now. He plays two characters in that, supposedly. Jackson County Jail. Going to go through these a little quicker. Uh, Victoria Tib is a TV movie. I've kind of heard of that. Um, I think that's about it. Hopscotch. Yep. The uh, Walter Matthau film. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, before that, and God We Trust. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Saturday the 14th as well as Van Helsing. Yeah. So, he's in a lot of stuff. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of time more just looking at his movies and yeah. thinking about him. Uh, Lou Wagner, who of course was so, thought this was inexcusable. So he gets brought back. Yeah, as bus boy. Uh... <laughs> So, don't remember him in the movie much. John Randolph makes an appearance well, again. I guess is the same character as the last oh, film, I'm assuming. maybe. We'll, we'll see about that. He's he was the commission chairman. Yeah. And he was the same thing yeah. in the last movie, but maybe he's not exactly the same character. We'll figure yeah. out. That's it. I'm not going to go through the rest of these because I don't recognize any of their names. All right. I'm fine with that. Wait. Let me see. No. Okay. Uh, so, of course, Paul Dean back again. Some of his best work, I think. Um, yeah. Very clearly. The fact that he's still able to keep this going and making it fresh, yeah. I think, really. And, of course, J. Lee Thompson is director. Um, he's most known for the Guns of the Navar- Guns of Navarone um, and Kate, the original, original Cape yeah. Fear. Um, let me see if there's any other movies. I'm assuming by this point he was probably in a situation where nothing against this movie, but he was like, all right. So he actually start off as a screenwriter in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. Um, that movie Last Holiday he wrote. Um Let's see. Not a lot of stuff in the 50s much. Like I said, Guns and Navarone, Cape Fear. Uh, what a way to go. With Shirley MacLaine, Paul Newman, Robert Mitchum, Dean Martin, hmm. Gene Kelly, Bob Cummings, Dick Van Dyke. There's a lot of good big names in there. Yeah. Um, John Goldfarb, Please Come Home. <laughs> Return from the Ashes, Eye of the Devil. Uh-oh. Uh, McKenna's Gold, I've heard of that. That actually is famous for a short film that was made about the making of it that um, uh, George Lucas made. Yeah. Uh, that he kind of saw, he kind of was on that and saw what a massive waste of money that movie was being made and he, it kind of affected his idea of Hollywood oh. filmmaking. So anyway, yeah. I didn't know that J. Lee uh, Thompson directed that. He, of course, also directed Battle for the Planet of the Apes. I was going to um, ask if there's any director that yes. had made multiple films of this so, in the original five. So. He got, he got kind of Tack back on this, I guess. Which I mean, hey, you know, this movie's great. So really he did a version movie. of Huckleberry. Huckleberry Finn. Let's see who was in that. I'm just interested. Let's see. Jeff East, Paul Winfield. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. Harvey yeah. Corman as the king. <laughs> Indeed, he Corman. is. The Duke David Wayne, not the David Wayne. Yeah, another David Wayne. Natalie Trundy. Gosh, turn up. Arthur P. Jacobs produced this. Yep. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I guess as no original... No disrespect but, to Natalie Trump. Oh, no, no, no. Just, but, you know, one yeah. thing follows the uh, other. So, anyway. Reincarnation of Peter Proud. Look at this. Horror movie in the... Michael Sarah's and Margot Kidder. Not Michael Sarah. Uh, no. Uh, the White Buffalo. The Greek Tycoon. The Passage. See about his 80s. Uh, not a whole lot of stuff. Um, Happy Birthday to Me. I've seen that poster yeah. a lot. Um, the evil ten to midnight, do. evil that men do. He it looks like he started directing a lot of uh, Charles Bronson trash. Mm-hmm. Um, Coppola Blanco. 
he did a version of King Solomon's Mines with uh, Richard Chamberlain, Sharon Stone, Herbert Lom, and John Reese Davies. Um, let's see, Murphy's Law, kind of heard of that. Firewalker, Death Wish for the Crackdown. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That um, now he's getting around to cracking down. Yeah, Messenger of Death. Yeah, he did a lot of Charles Bronson stuff. And Najite, or Kenji, excuse me, Kenjit, Forbidden Secrets, with uh, him as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, he's he's an action director. Um. He uh did a good job at that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, the movie does have some memorable, you know, action set pieces. I think, yeah. To it. Um. So yeah, that's about all we can say about him. But uh, good job. I mean, you know, well, on everybody behind the camera on this one. So. What's the next thing? So the next thing we want to talk a little bit about is just how this movie continues some of the the franchise's themes and social relevance. One thing that really sticks out to me is this is probably perhaps the most angry, I think, and bleak oh, yeah. in many ways of all these movies. One thing that really I think you can draw comparisons to at this particular point is it's being released in 1972. Is by this point, you know and it had been several years even by this point, that the civil rights movement as a whole had kind of very much phased out. Um, yeah. The days of King as being the leader of it ended the very year that this movie came out, of course. The first yeah. movie came out in 68. The Black Panther Party would um, come to its and, quick end around this and time, too. again, that, and even within the franchise, the whole ongoing conversations and dialogues and philosophies of Zira, Cornelius, and the various members of the apes or humans... Um, is effectively snuffed out by these last two movies. By these last two movies, it's honestly more about pure survival. There's no yeah. going back after this point. Right. Um, and I do feel as though that the nihilism of this movie and the sequel as well reflects in many ways a certain nihilism attached with the civil rights movement that uh, the civil rights movement, for all its mighty accomplishments over the 50s and 60s, kind of did end with a bang uh but went out, but died with a whimper, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense, over the last several years at this point. And that this movie is honestly more reflective of um, where the Black Power movement and the understandings of the Black Panther Party are by this point when it came out. Right. Um, and so any sense of utopian grandeur that was around just a few years ago has disappeared and has now kind of purely become about survival of the fittest in effect right. you know in that way i mean from the very beginning even the first movie we mentioned this that a lot of the gorillas the way they dress recall and bring to mind the black panther party um and so i think that this like i said that this movie is a reflection in many ways of no longer having a dialogue or reaching any sort of impasse but instead just trying to survive right. uh, more than the other side does yeah um yeah, I think that's all definitely true. I think, obviously, uh, what's so exciting about this movie, and this is something I kind of wanted to explore a little bit and see what you think about this, um, is the idea of revolution, um, obviously. And uh, and I think that there's a certain thrill that people get, and I'm saying I get this too, so I'm not saying like this is even a bad thing necessarily, but it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, out of the concept of revolution... Um, and it on film, especially in this case. Because interestingly, um, of course, by this point, and pretty much for the rest of all the Planet of the Apes movies, except for maybe uh, the Burton remake, but that's a movie that should barely even be acknowledged, but we're going to be doing a lot of that soon. Um, 
is that, you know, the rest of these is all, you're pulling for the apes at this point, very definitively. That was pretty much the case in the last movie also. Yeah. Um, but, I th- and part of that... Well, was, and, essentially, let me just interrupt you yeah. very briefly. You're, quote, pulling for, but there's not really a big antagonism for most of the movie. Most of the right. movie is them just kind of subsisting or living, even though probably deep down we know that this is not going to last. It's right. going to go south somewhere. Because every other movie, there's this inherent antagonism to it. And again, that's kind of what I mean when I'm talking about this divide between the civil rights movement and the black power movement, is that there seems to be a coexistence in that third movie that doesn't exist for any of the other movies. That there is a possibility that the apes and the humans can coexist. Yeah. But by the end of the movie, that falls apart. And then that gives way to what the violence of right. the end of that movie is and then the rest of these two yeah. movies are. And... um. But yeah, so, uh, right. So as far as that, but also just in general, this is the first time because is in the uh, first movie, or excuse me, Beneath, um, we didn't really get to see uh, on the level it should have been uh, apes versus humans, and the apes were winning until humanity killed everything, basically. But we didn't, it's like, oh, it kind of is a battle, whatever. But this is the first time on screen we're really seeing the big battle between humans and apes, very definitively. And that's been the case for pretty much every version of this since. Yeah. Um, no, I don't remember as much, uh, like I said, other than Planet of the Apes, the remake. But we're just going to disregard that for now. But, um, but what's interesting, though, to me, is that especially in... And this is going into a bigger kind of concept I'm thinking about here with revolution and kind of, like I said, that sense of that, is that I think there's just a certain amount of uh, being a human person that people enjoy um, seeing things torn apart and society degraded, like, you know, on screen because obviously, and I mean, that's the case. I mean, what, what happens when something really big happens? People loot things and destroy things, you know. Um, but that particularly with this movie and especially with um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, there is a certain thrill that one gets from watching the apes in that film. Of course, they're CG, but literally jumping on a helicopter and ripping the people out and the helicopter crashing. Yeah. And, I mean, because in a basic sense, it's just action filmmaking. I get it. But yeah. there's a certain underlying rage um, to a lot of these movies that I think that, and I think, what, what I'm all getting to is th- of this movie is that I sense a particular, not only just for people, like I said, engaged in civil rights and, and different, um, you know, protest movements, but just in general, just total rage against the government at this point that would actually, this is kind of more um, previewing that would happen after Watergate and all those things that I still feel like was still going on at the time, but just a total distrust and anger at the government that... Uh, that something needs that, to change, right? And, and, and that, and that, that was represented in a movie like this, um, as definitively as it is. And I think that, like I said, that's continued um, throughout various iterations of movies and um, of this type. Like I said, especially Rise. But does all that make sense? I guess. Like, no, yeah. I think it's interesting that people love that sort of thing, which I do too. I mean, but it's just interesting mm-hmm. that people go to the movies to see something that in reality is so horrific, but I think it's this kind of, on the other side of the screen, we get a yeah. lot of... Enjoy- that no, sounds yeah, like a very no, broad no. thing and basic thing to talk no, about. Genre movies that, oftentimes yeah. fulfill that need, whether it be horror, um, sci-fi, or action, that 
sense of uh, catharsis or release yeah. that people and get I don't from think this it, type of movie. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think it really matters what your political stance is. No, because you could that, honestly... Right. Oftentimes, these movies are... It's like a fortune cookie where it's like... Sounds very vague and yeah. be about anything. But, yeah. oh, if you're thinking about it from your perspective... Your blinders are on, then this is right. what it means. And yeah. versus someone else looks like, oh, this is what it means. Right. You know? And I think that's the ongoing fascination with this franchise is the exact nature of its politics seem to be movie to movie, um, not as united at some points as maybe we've even acted like they are yeah. at points that it's kind of in service of whatever the plot is going to be for that right. given movie. Um, but that that's what I think is the most important thing about this movie. And, that, and that's not been the case with... Um, you know, other uh movies of this time, and it's also not going to be the case for other movies about revolution. I mean, one of the most memorable moments in any movie I've ever seen is in Reds. Um, when uh they're in Moscow and the revolution is concluded, and there's the big swelling like Russian orchestra, and them like walking in the snow, yeah. and like you know things that are more operatic. Um, in a sense of overthrow, but uh, in this, it's very you know violent and bloody and angry. Um, yeah. and, and then another thing that would do this even better sometime later would be Heaven's Gate, which uh, I've always said about that movie, that that's one of the most effective climaxes of any movie because you have felt so angry the whole movie towards the, the government doing this to these people that the, there for, the capitalist is forces this, that there are, is yeah. this like very palpable release mm-hmm. of seeing and such a climax that was so literally violent because they accidentally blew horses up and stuff that got way out of control but you, there there's a sense of in that movie and movies like this of a release that I find not so much troubling even to myself as I find very interesting that we can get so uh engaged in that sort of you know, uh, widespread violence on screen against order or law. Well, or it's whatever, interesting to what, mention you know, uh, when you, which the, are usually in the in these cases uh, an unjust law. Yeah, but, well, know, it's interesting you invoke in Heaven's Gate with this is that that obviously is a western, and westerns always rely on the concept of a version of frontier justice. Yeah. That the justice of the law and order of the status quo is not good enough, and that there right. needs to be something else that usurps that into kind of enforcing what quote true justice is um also another thought i had just a little bit ago when you kind of casually mentioned watergate yeah um the watergate break-in would have been occurring right around the time this, this was, was actually released june 14th so that summer it was like june or july yeah. i can't remember of uh 72 and i feel like after like the second one moving forward these movies are less about conspiracy yeah. than, say, the first two maybe are. But you think about that, you know, the nature of these conspiracies that are being floated in the 68 version and then the second one beneath of what the, quote, real truth is, the government or the forces that be, religion is hiding that from us, and that the truth is much more destructive than we believed. Um, how in many ways ahead of the curve that is yeah. of actually what the right. zeitgeist is going to end up being. Yeah. Now that, again, 68 and 70, those first two movies, which we've already talked about, go listen to those, um, we're at the height of the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War is starting to crest a little bit at this point. Right. Um, this we're going to be sending yeah. our troops home by 73, so it's pretty soon. 
Um, this but applies obviously, more to the protests against yeah, the war. Yeah, the protests were yeah. huge, yeah. Because, um, I mean, you look at the poster, and at the bottom half is the uh, cops literally just shooting guns, and there's all this smoke. I mean, that literally looks like pictures of Kent State. And yeah. Black I mean, it literally looks exactly the same. Not, like, that's actually you know, interesting just to invoke the poster and to look yeah. at that. Uh, what does it say there? All new. All new. The Revolt of the Apes. The most awesome spectacle <laughs> in the annals of science fiction. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'd say that's mostly true. I mean, it, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But yeah, that and and we're kind of getting off topic here of what you were just talking well, about. But like yeah. the poster, I think, reflects the darkness of the movie. It's very bleak. No, it looks very um, revolutionary. Yeah. And you hear people talk all the time, idiots usually, um, that, oh, the franchises, are they, they're having these social messages just crammed in there. And what what about the old days when you could just go to the picture house and pay pay your five pence and uh, go see a flick, you know? Yeah. Uh, and Go see them movies. Yeah, yeah. I go to see them movies. Um, if you want to have a good laugh, go to the... This is random. Let's get to go on this tangent <laughs> yeah. for a second. Hang on a minute. Go everybody. to the like original Venom theatrical trailer comment section on YouTube. I've got some of this stuff screen capped. It's yeah. literally the funnest, funniest things you'll ever read. Like these are people with like a third grade education who are like... Who are like but one of my, years my, old, my, like, my all-time yeah. favorite YouTube comment is for that, where somebody, I don't even know their name, I, I could look it up later, but I don't even want to give them the credit for this, um, said, I go to see them movies. So I remember you know, we were in, uh, it was, we were at Myrtle Beach 2018, and we were, that one that, that was out? Yeah, that trailer came out, and oh, we watched it, came out, yeah. and we were watching the trailer. And then we were looking at the YouTube comments, and we were just laughing We've so hard. We spent like hard. 30, 45 I mean, yeah, minutes like, doing that. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it was like immediately that day. No, my, whatever, those like, screen yeah. caps were still taken yeah. from that, I remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyways, but, but, uh, so, but yes, I, all I mean right. to say is that yeah. uh, people now complain that fr- franchises are, quote, too woke and, quote, like, too blah, blah. I don't think they are enough. Uh, no. And, well, what oh, even, clearly quote, not. Well, yeah. let me just say this, quote, performative wokeness and what that means is like uh disney thinking they can get by by casting minorities who should be cast in more things no question but trying to make that make up for the fact that disney is the literal embodiment of the status quo yeah uh or with this new luca uh pixar movie that a lot of it uh, a lot of the characters are gay it's it's trafficking in the hard work in a movie done by like uh um, the Guadagnino movie. Oh, Call Me By Your Call Name. Me yeah, by your it's name. basically the it's same trafficking thing, in right. some of that. But for kids. It's but like, for kids. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that addressing like, don't, these don't, things. And I'm not saying take your kids to Call Me By Your Name. I'm not saying that either. But like, you know, I mean. But it, um, all too often, all you know, good. most modern, any blockbuster of any era are trafficking in a version of embracing the status quo. Yeah. Um, no matter what it is. And this just really feels very radical, even for its time. And I think it just probably went under the radar, like most of the rest of this series, yeah. at this point where it was just like, oh, another Planet of the Apes movie. Um, and I guess, you know, it didn't get... I mean, some of the reviews we read were talking about, oh, this is kind of a shot in the arm of yeah. keeping yeah, this they movie... They said it was a little better than others, yeah. In that, at that um, time. But, you know, it's just really, frankly, crazy to me that something this radical and this, like, uh, mainstream got to be made and just put out there in terms right. of the anger and vitriol that it but has. But you know what's the most interesting thing about this poster, though, too, is all this bleakness. 
But then right in the center, in big yellow letters, looks Conquest like of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, the letter looks and, like Ben Hur. Right, this, it yeah. looks like that. But also, I think that that represents a sort of hope or justice in the midst of all this violence, and yeah. uh, and that good does conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, love conquers all version. Yeah, that's the Conquest version. of the love of the planet of the. And age. speaking of the different endings, it yes. was the love conquers all version. Yes. That, uh, ended yeah. Up so we'll out. we'll quickly talk about that. So originally, the movie ended with um, Don Murray's character being literally beaten to death. It's it's really pretty gruesome. I have to say. I mean, it doesn't show him being beaten. It's just them. It's showing them. Their arms basically from above hitting yeah. like, or from it doesn't show his body. But the original ending was that he, Caesar, ordered the apes to kill him and to kill this human. Now, you can watch that version on on the Blu-ray we have. It's called the unrated edition, which I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, as far, but this movie was rated PG-13, I think, for that and for some other, just the just the violence in it, I think, is... That's you been, know, I guess, re-rated right. because no, PG-13 not at the time, wasn't existing no. at this original um, time. But, yeah. but I think it got close to getting an R rating. Um, but, um, anyway, that the original ending is that he did kill him, and but it didn't um, track well with the uh, you know, audiences, uh, kind of the previews. The silent majority wasn't so silent, no. I guess, when it came to that. Uh, but anyway, so what ultimately happened, though, was that, like I said, that that Lisa says, screams no, and that he asked them to lower their weapons, and then I'm going to read here what he says. Uh, they re-recorded it, and it was like shots of his eyes close up. You can tell it's fake. It looks pretty bad. I mean, you know, but anyway. says, but now... Uh, now we will put away our hatred. Now we will put down our weapons. We have passed through the night of the fires, and those who are our, who were our masters are now our servants. And we who are not human can afford to be humane. Destiny is the will of God. And if it, and if it is man's destiny to be dominated, it is God's will that he be dominated with compassion and understanding. So cast out your vengeance. Tonight we have seen the birth of the planet of the apes. Oh. Um, I actually... Now, apes. first of all... yeah. <laughs> um, now, first of all, I think this is totally dumb. Uh, the other movie, ver- the other ending is better, um, just because of how nihilistic it is. But I do find it interesting, and I find this final uh, kind of uh, speech speech that Dean had to write very interesting, and and obviously it's very neo biblical. Um, I think I, I think it is interesting that uh, his realization of kind of you know they will destroy themselves, which he kind of talked about that anyway, yeah, because there it says above all that stuff that he will they will destroy themselves, humanity, um, and that he's basically saying, well, we will we will not exactly preside over that destruction, but kind of allow it to happen. Yeah. And it's God's will that this is happening, blah, 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 you know. Um, so I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I it's not actually as bad as it even sounds like it is if you're hearing this and like, what, that's stupid. Um, but it isn't as good. Do you have any opinion about that? I mean, that again, this happens in every era of Hollywood where they test a movie and the audience reacts negatively and so they change the ending there's a big long yeah. hollywood history of this so um 
I don't think it, you know, because I think something like that could ruin another movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what the movie's trying to say. Um, and I wonder, too, if they're like already thinking, well, we got to get one more, of the, at least one more of these out, or how many, I don't know, mm-hmm. the expectation is how many more they think they can make of these. Um, but I think it even, even, I, I think that the original would have been just fine enough and the better version. Yeah. But I think the version as it is, um, it at least presents an alternative to the idea of what how what makes the ape culture different from right. uh, the human culture that uh, yeah. they're not going to th- raise I their mean, fists and, or their paws I in think anger. Maybe even the statement of the movie, the the if you could boil it all down to one sentence, how genius it is is, and we who are not human can afford to be humane. Yeah, um, is really a powerful idea, and I think that that I think that is what's interesting about. Caesar, both, I think, in the new movies as well, the reboots, is that he he has a he has a you know begrudging acceptance of the humans so long as they're left alone. I think that, and I think that kind of starts here of well, they're gonna be destructive to their own ends. Let them do what they do, you know, whatever. But I think it is interesting that that he is so firebranded, but that he does find that sense of his own parents in himself of that, oh, well, I will accept these humans for what they are, even if they don't deserve it. Like, you know, um, and and I think that's powerful and important. So I I agree. I think it works. I think it would have been better of the original version, but ultimately, like you said, they might have. Well, well, what's interesting though is in this whole, uh, if we're you know presuming this is the past and we know what the future of these movies are going to be or the future of the narrative, right. um, that he himself kind of pulls a punch here, but then his generation that was maybe willing to be a little bit more forgiving is itself going to pass away, yeah, and is going to give way to an ape culture that is much more like humans, yeah, immediately to the point of being and, uh, yeah. totally switching the roles where. Anybody who expects the humans to be on par with uh, the apes uh, is a radical and should be gotten rid of. Right. Um, leading us to believe, ultimately, that even his pulling a punch here is going to be for naught if inevitably the ape culture leads to being not only supreme to human culture, but to actively abuse and or just try to destroy human culture yeah. as well. You know, but... yeah. It's interesting. It's actually interesting that you can, like you said, they kind of. There are they are two pretty different endings. Obviously, of one is more positive and one is more negative, but um, either way, I think it works. But I do, I do think it actually is ultimately more enriching for his character to have pulled the punch. Um, but all, but also, I just think that that ending is more. Um, you know, interesting and more like, wow, you know, that. Well, you know, you it's, know, um, the, the canonical ending to this movie is that the more, quote, the right. happy, and then really yeah. happy, but uh, more humane, dignified Caesar. Right. Um, but to me, the most enduring image of this entire movie, one I think about a lot, and one that is the ending, is his face set against the fire behind him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no matter what he says... That image is what the audience is really going to walk away from and remember. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and so the, it almost is like the movie's trying to have its cake and eat it too because right. 
that is by far some of the most memorable images of the movie is him standing above these apes and humans alike and giving a speech, good or bad, yeah. but the flames behind him. And um, that in of itself really you know, tells us what the message is and that it's uh, one darker yeah. even than they're able to edit around. Right. Well, and even... even based in, just on what it was originally yeah. conceived to be. And even in the original version, I, I wasn't going to read this out loud, but I might as well. It's a little long. It's longer than that, but what he said before that, he said, Where there is fire, there is smoke, and in that smoke from this day forward, my people will crouch and conspire and plot and plan for the inevitable day of man's downfall. The day when he finally and self-destructively turns his weapons against his own kind. The day of the riding in the sky when your cities lie buried under radioactive rubble. When the sea is a dead sea and the land is a wasteland out of which I will lead my people from their captivity. And we shall build our own cities in which there will be no place for humans except to serve our ends. And we shall found our own armies, our own religion, our own dynasty. And that day is upon you now. Um, if the, I mean, that's... Neo, neo-biblical as it ever gets. I mean, you know. Um, and that he says all that even still before that happens. And like you said, the movie can try and turn it of, oh, well, actually this, but that is far more of what with the Zayas type of yeah idea will become. So, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a very interesting, actually, final few minutes of that choice. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... Anything else for this? Uh, I don't think so. Other than, uh, well, no, actually, I'll talk about that in the in the commentary. Okay, because it'll be visually more apparent. But uh, oh well, obviously, uh, the movie was made for a little less money. It was made for one point seven million, but it did make nine point seven. So that's yeah, actually pretty successful. Um, uh, a lot of people talk about the eight makeup in this is oh goes yeah, downhill comparatively. Yeah. I, I guess I remember. Uh, Caesar's Rodney McDowell's looking good, but he's obviously yeah. more of a character, so they're gonna no, I mean, I, into that. We were watching the original ending a while ago, and it was clear that some of the grill, uh, it was yeah, it was masks. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the way it goes, though. Yeah. So. so we're gonna take a brief break, and when we get back, we're gonna go. We're gonna go escape. We're gonna beneath. go conquest that we're planet. We're gonna go uh, see conquer the conquer conquering Con- over them hills. Con- there, there's conquest in them their heels. Yeah, conquest of the planet of the apes. Now, the biggest, the newest, the most exciting of all the Planet of the Apes pictures. Climaxed by the spectacular revolt of the apes. The most awesome, the most horrifying spectacle in the annals of science fiction. First pampered as pets, then abused as servants, now oppressed as slaves. On a full mobilization of all security forces, police, militia, and reserve defense units, see that every entrance into the city is cordoned off immediately. Yes, sir. I can show methods to improve the use of tear gas and sedation darts. There will be but one control method. Shoot to kill. Ready? Aim! Fire! This will be the end of human civilization! And the world will belong to a planet of apes! Watch the 
the screen explode as man faces ape in the ultimate revolution. Where there is fire, there is smoke. In that smoke, from this day forward, my people will plot and plan for the inevitable day of man's downfall. And that day is upon you now! Hello, and we're back. If you're enjoying your white boy summer. Uh, you know, we were talking about that yesterday. Like, <laughs> I've never supported this from the beginning. I want to make that clear. Not that Kyle has supported it either, but... No. Uh, but that, I do think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I just, mean, but it, you, know. you think it's funnier than I do. I'll just say that. But, uh, but it went as fast as it came, you know? Yeah. Chet Hanks, wherever you are, hope you're... Uh, Hope you're not having a good day. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hope you're not having a good white boy summer. Uh, sounds like you didn't. So yeah, there you go. Anyways. By the way, you know, my, you know, real quickly. Yeah. About Tom Hanks, um, I have something I need to reveal about him. No. Yeah. Um, uh, that you ever notice, like on Twitter, a lot of time he'll like put up pictures of like, oh, I saw a glove laying on the ground. Hanks. Hanks. It's like, okay. <laughs> what are you five? Like you know, anyway, um. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, or Conquest of. Yeah. Keep doing that. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is rated PG, it says, but I know it's PG-13 just because I know that. As a matter of fact, hang on a second. From, for violence, all of which includes apes. Let's step away from the mic for a second. He's stepped away from the mic. He's coming back over here. Yeah, it says PG. Just a moment. It says PG on the Blu-ray. It says PG on the Blu-ray, but uh, I'm convinced that, that at some point this was rated PG-13. I swear, because I remember yeah. when I was younger and I had seen about this movie uh, that it was. By the way, one thing I want to remark upon before Ricardo m- remark upon, <laughs> Multibon yeah. remark upon <laughs> about this, um, is that um, when I used to see the trailers for these movies, it was randomly, okay, so on the Batman 1966 DVD, they had a trailer. Oh, because that was about, about 20 Century right. Fox. Yeah. They had a trailer that had... Uh, of all these movies they released at some point. And I remember I used to see the images from this movie, and it was the apes being walked around. In the jumpsuits, yeah. In the jumpsuits, and I was always like, I could tell. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Even at that time, I could tell this is a darker version of whatever this is, just the way it looked. I mean, it was goofy looking, but yeah. something about the way that looked, I remember thinking, oh, that looks like a weirder version of that. And it was PG-13 at that time. I swear it had to have been. Um, he's not lying. He's not. Uh, maybe maybe here. I'm wrong about all this, but I swear it used to be, and that and that made me think, oh, it's a little bit worse. Like, yeah. You know. But anyway. All right. So we're starting yeah. this movie. We're watching the Blu-ray. Uh, in five, four, three, two, one. So this just grit gets right into yeah. it. Yeah. North America, 1991. What a hell it's become already. Look at this. Yeah. Um. Where was it they filmed this at? Century what? City in Los Angeles, which, which had this been time under was new. construction. Yeah. Yeah. And so it does add this other futuristic kind of look yeah. to everything. Because what I was going to say is that this movie really reminds me a lot, actually, of THX 1138, yeah. um, which was literally only a year before this. 
mostly because of you know the kind of uh, totalitarian look of everything um but uh and don murray but yeah that, that obviously that is a far more uh abrasive abrasive movie even than this is believe it, it or didn't not. get four se- that didn't get four sequels no it didn't make near as much money either um That movie holds this place in for a lot of people of like after they see Star Wars and then maybe American Graffiti. Oh, this other George Lucas movie and oh, you yeah. gotta watch that. And you're like, oh wow, this, you know. Tom Scott doing the score here. Uh, I guess Goldsmith's gone for good. Uh, I guess at this yeah. point. I forgot to mention. Talk about that. Norman Rocket, Philip Jeffries. I remember we were also watching this around mm-hmm. the time of, uh, and you know, we were talking about that of uh, in reference to Twin Peaks: The Return. John Chambers back. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Don Record. It was again not his makeup work, but just that they didn't have the money to do right. more. They was too lazy, I guess. That was another thing I, I need to mention. Is filmed in Todd AC thirty five. This is the only of these movies not filmed in Panavision. Mm-hmm. Um, Even the last look at one. That. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Frank Capper Jr. again. Yep. Look at those masks. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess the green ones are the chimpanzees. Yes. And the orange are the gorillas. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the suits. I haven't seen any uh, of the orangutans. Yeah. Well, this movie also kind of reminds me of, like, Dawn of the Dead, certain things about yeah. it. Or, like, it's a Romero zombie movie, just the way some of it looks. Um, yeah. Now, you know, if they had, like, one last hurrah, one-sixth movie, George Romero is playing the apes. Yeah. The version of them. Interesting to see. That would have, frankly, been too good. That might have literally been the best movie ever made. It would either have been the best or the worst. Mm-hmm. Like, it couldn't have been anywhere in between. No, but, um, but yeah. Um, I'm going to say something. I don't remember what it was. Now, it kind of uh, glazes over, I guess, the whole, oh, all the animal cats and dogs are dead. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Is it? Don't you think it's interesting that people want animals so bad in their houses, pets, that they're like, "Oh, we'll have it. We'll do that with apes." Like, yeah. you know. But then they also become slave labor, right? Which is strange that people would be fine with either or of those. Yeah, It'd be one or the other, but. Because they would have realized eventually they're a little bit smarter. He's twenty. Yeah. Doing a little bit of a younger voice too. Yeah. Catching those up for those who missed it, I guess. Imagine if, like, you, you saw the second one and then, like, 
skip the third one for whatever reason. You come mm-hmm. to see this, and you're like, wait, what is going on? Like- yeah, because actually uh, a friend of mine watched this recently, and he sent that clip and was like, last time on, he literally yeah. said like, how laughable it is, actually. As we cover, I guess, you know, Ronnie McDowell didn't have any more movies to direct at this point. Yeah. Very clearly look like Nazi get-ups. Yeah. uh, Guards here. Ape control. What are they doing? (laughs) Just standing around, like, (laughs) hanging out, you know? Just vibing. Yeah. It's interesting to know that it's also all their masters are to blame, too. Yeah. Look at that. (laughs) Kind of funny. Some of them are just carrying their, like, groceries or clothes or shopping and... You better watch him. He's looking around Mm -hmm. like, okay. He's thinking about not being a slave. Uh Uh-oh. They're hanging out like... I think it's funny. He's as like, oh, he's been hiding under a rock like the audience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It allows the chance for a lot of this to be expository and just mm-hmm. say what's going on. Well, also, I just it. now realize actually, it would he would only be eighteen years old, but he said vaguely twenty years because it was nineteen seventy three. Yeah, but anyway. He can talk. He can sing. <laughs> in memoriam of the doll, Rover. Rover. Rest right. in peace, Rover. That is one of the more, more incredulous, unbelievable things to me about this movie. Is just, oh, uh, by the way, cats and dogs don't exist. Uh, apes are now pets. It's oh, just yeah. like very okay. What like quick, but whatever. It's kind of dispatched with early on, so it's yeah. not that distracting as you move forward. There we got an orangutan. Yeah. See, they're working in the library. Mm-hmm. 
that you're getting mad, it's like, uh, well. Everything's very totalitarian in this state. Yeah. wearing black and dark colors and very soulless. Colorless. Frank. Wow. <laughs> So in the world of 1991, they created magic cigarettes. Or won't kill you. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I will rule you. Unless you're trying to get Taking away. Taking a jog. Yeah. This, some of this stuff's kind of like the first movie where you get to see the apes dressing up and doing yeah. things they're not supposed to be doing mm-hmm. like because they're apes, you know. Because <laughs> they're not human. They tip with raisins. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel bad laughing. Yeah. Because what's going on is not funny. No, but, it isn't. Like, but, but, you know. Then you got people uh, protesting against apes being used for jobs. They're taking our jobs, you know. For once, I agree with that sentiment. Like, By the way, don't it figure they'd also be racist? Yeah. You know, of course. Yeah, and it shows you that even though he's in a position of authority, obviously racism still exists, and yeah. uh, he's going to be diminished as a result of still being black, even in this world. 
Barely got out of that one. Yeah. This music matched yeah. with that. It doesn't fit. No. Real, I'm going to get away. Yeah. <laughs> So again, even in the last movie, you know, there were like two humans that were looking out for the right. apes, and by this one, there's literally only one, basically. Right. Other than maybe that, uh, the black uh, assistant to the governor or whatever earlier, kind of, sort of is, but yeah. Another thing dark about this movie literally is just how some of these interiors that it has compared to a lot of these yeah. movies take place in exteriors that are more bright. This is literally just shot much more darkly than the other ones as well. Yeah. It has a claustrophobic feeling of it. was sad to think about even was obviously super Caesar that he doesn't even know his own parents because he was right. so young he didn't so he's his only father or figure he knows you know mm -hmm. We're really going after this whole situation. Yeah. And by the blessed Saint Francis who loved all animals, I pray. You see, I wrote a circus, you know that? Twenty years back, hundred years ago now, when the tip top recruits around the world conceived of an immense survival of the threat in the future of my tiger king race. And Victor Newman took care of it. Like <laughs> No, one thing we talked about when we first saw this is that Don Murray's character looks like the comedian Scott Arkham. Yeah, he bit. does. Yeah, uh, sort of. Yeah. Hoskins. Oh, wait. Is this John Randolph's appearance? Mm, like, maybe. Yeah. Well, there you go. I didn't remember him being in this. Yeah, well, there we go. 
There's that cult. Yeah. Who, yeah, I had forgotten he was, yeah, the villain in the next movie because I remember him in that now. Yeah. But. So, spoiler, he lives this one. Yeah. This one. Please do, because I'm not sure what it yeah. is. <laughs> like our problem is that we totally abuse and mistreat these things, and that they're going to come and kill us. And that's on them. It's like, what? Yeah. So, I have a feeling this guy's not a good person. Yeah. Maybe he's the villain. Yeah, so you can tell these are when orangutan suits are, see? Oh, just the manifest. Yeah. Always got to check that manifest. Nike. Mm hmm. That's the only thing that's on there for a lot. Yeah, you'd think there'd be a little more than that. Yeah, oh, they do that all the time. Meemaw or whatever. I don't care. Copper cab. Yeah. Crap. Yeah, look that up. If you're not familiar. You're better off if you're not. Just You know what? Just stay that way. Ape management. Yeah. It's where they manage the apes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it's for. Did you know In that? the event you need to manage your ape. In the event of an emergency, please locate <laughs> the illuminated exit signs at the front or rear of the auditorium. Is it what, do the theaters even do that anymore? They really? do the whole uh, uh, locate the exits. Okay. Uh, in the event of an emergency, walk out of the building oh, and yeah. move oh, far away. They do say yeah, that. Yeah. Like, 
used to be for years, though. I would point, yeah. physically point. I had it going for at least, like, seven years or something. At least, yeah. People witnessed it. Yeah, they were there. This is also interesting that the movie decides to kind of put him within the uh, ape black uh, slave Prison system, system like, yeah. yeah, and kind of so that he'll be able to, you know. Uh, it's very similar to Rise, where Caesar is like, you know, a uh, uh, ape like, uh, um, pet, yeah. basically, sort of, and the, the mother. It was very smart. Wow. You know what's really weird about this is that this reminds me of like, of course, the horrific stories of like Abu Ghraib and like where they would play, um, Britney Spears you know, and Britney really Spears loud pop and like music. Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. and stuff, uh, and that like. That as torture, and obviously that was more to like get them acquainted, I guess, to like the idea of like parties or whatever. Yeah. But that's a weird kind of think about. But. Yeah. It's obviously seeing this system. It, you can't help but wonder why do these people not understand that this is just only going to radicalize and make them hate humans even worse. You know. Yeah. But. I guess the expectation, un not unlike the Nazis, is that they were going to win, and so it just didn't matter what they did to any of these yeah. apes. But yeah, I think that's what makes Caesar specific as a character, is he's someone from... A little bit of the human world because he can read and write and obviously who his parents were but then he also is subject to witness all these horrific right. the other side of the apes obviously what how most of them are treating treated I think that's Trademark Roddy McDowell ape face is just very suspicious yeah, looking like, and like, what are you doing? What's going on here? <laughs> okay. That one on the right. Yeah. <laughs> All of them look funny. Weird. I'll show you what I can do. Yeah, 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 like. <laughs> hmm. I love there was a picture taken of him that looked like yeah. that, you know? Have you seen an ape before? 
Oh, well, I guess they would have taken pictures like that of him, yeah. So are you saying this isn't the same actor? Trying to, I guess, teach men to wash their hands. Wow. Going back there. <laughs> Caesar, he knows what to do. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm not a slob. I wash my hands before. He's like, hmm. Well, it's funny that first yeah. one just took the took the paper towel first, wiped his hands, and then yeah, got right. Uh, they were using the same shots from earlier there. Yeah. Another thing, too, that goes unexplained between these movies is just how many apes there are. Yeah. I guess they just they get, became reliant on the slave labor. They started, I guess, presumably breeding so many of them. She says, oh, by the way, there's tons of apes all, everywhere now. And he's helping them to understand this stuff, and they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no sleep. Yeah. No bed. A brief blaze of glory. Yes. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's like, I will destroy. Yeah. Like, destroy Betty Bye. Like, do. Now, what do you want me to do now? Dummy. I did that. It's weird to see actual chimps. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is what the actual apes look like. I've seen these other ones. You know, we don't really see... It'd be interesting if you saw a couple in this movie that wasn't the same exact kind of ape, like a yeah. chimpanzee and a gorilla or a gorilla and a orangutan or whatever. Yeah. I guess that's not how apes actually make, though, either. You know, no. presumably be their right. own specific type. But We'll make my phone call. <laughs> bed maker? Well, you can't do it yourself? Yeah, I guess like... this is its own commentary on how lazy people are in the 
the dim dark future of 1991. Well, and how lazy people were during antebellum slavery too. Yeah. So. Well, not most people because most people didn't own slaves, but yeah, average everyday slave people. owners. Again, you got eight auctions going on, obviously. Another thing to think about, too, is that this takes place in North America. Is this going on in other parts of the world as well? In terms well, of they talk about how there were certain apes they had gotten from other places, but... Mm-hmm. It's probably a similar situation to Children of Men, where this is just a country that was more advanced, I guess, than, like, in that sense. Britain was, like, one of the only countries left that was more contained like you know not in chaos so maybe maybe that could partially be the case with america at this point i don't know but yeah because of fascism basically was the way that all that was upheld mm-hmm. but in both versions especially this one it collapses anyway so yeah that one doesn't necessarily collapse, I guess, but it's, you know. Oh, I forgot that he had actually bought him. Yeah. Can I just walk out, go away? Oh, no, I got... Okay, I'll stay here a little bit. Oh, forever? No, I ain't gonna do that. Definitely? No. You'll see. You'll see what I can do. They need somebody to pour drinks for them, you know. Yeah, it's just too. It's just too difficult, you know. <laughs> I 
No, there were just certain people that were subjected to that, not you, but yeah. Slave to ignorance, that's the only slave he's in. This is such a I got an attitude. Yeah. It's really a shame what happens to him, you know. Yeah. Well, what? Well, does he get killed in this? I can't remember. Uh, Not technically. No, because no. it got changed, right? Nope. Yeah. He's the one that lives. Well, he'll die someday, so. Open a book, okay. Well, he's at least acting yeah. dumb enough, at least, that mm -hmm. to... That, yeah. Didn't end up well for Caesar, though. No. Me too, Don Murray. Like, you know. <laughs> Carrying clothes, like. like. What do you want? Like, He's not looking at him like, yeah, like what? I'll fight you yeah, right like, here, right now. <laughs> what if they got like an ape fight club or like they just like have the apes fight each other? Probably like the unfortunate existence of bum fighting, I guess. Yeah. Well, we talked about the Mandingo fighting in Django and Django. Yeah. Feel free to go listen to that episode. No. Or not, if that means that you have to watch Django and yeah. Jane. Because, <laughs> spoiler alert, if you didn't listen to that, we didn't really like the movie. So, yeah. I do really like a lot of the sets and designs yeah. of these movies. They look very 70s in terms of yeah. some of the Star Wars sets. Uh Analog future. Yeah. Even if you see some stuff from, uh, like, uh, Silent Running. Yeah. Or, uh... Omega Man. Yeah. Logan's Run. Logan's Run was the yeah. one I was trying to think of, yeah. Silent Running, I think that has Bruce Dern in it, doesn't it? Probably. That yeah, was also 72. Yeah. Directed by Douglas Trumbull. Who's, of course, the special effects man. Mm hmm.
I wonder how they're looking for him. Or like, which one has the best makeup? Yeah. Like, right. Which one has yeah, the best right. face? Like, yeah. Special authenticator. Oh, it's basically a lie detector. Yeah. Reminds me of being in a dentist chair. Except you're not going to die. Oh, let's look at the authenticator if you really took care of your teeth. Oh, looks like you didn't. Well... Yeah, it looks like that weird, like, immunization bot in Star Wars that comes in. Yeah. It's like, or whatever. Like, yeah. If that's what, uh, that's what people think is going to happen to them if they go to get the COVID-19 shot, just like that yeah. immunization bot's going to... No, that isn't what happened, by the way, for people yeah. who are, you know... Go get vaccinated if you haven't already. Uh, it's a good idea. Well, it is fascinating that a lot of these 70s movies are preoccupied sci-fi movies with some sort of disease and or climate environmental disasters. Yeah. And uh, some we're very much living with both of those right now. But, uh, yep. you know. 70s came true. They always do. Those 70s. <laughs> That's one thing people like to point out about sci-fi from the past is the things that come true. It should also be said a lot of things that don't come true, yep. such as nuclear war. That's thankfully something that yep. a lot of sci-fi was very much rightfully so worried about and didn't come to pass yeah. as of this point. So. The good old days for old poor Caesar. Starts getting ideas. Mm -hmm. I should have went to the Olympics. Kind of been a gymnast. It was almost kind of funny. Nobody was looking in his yeah, general direction uh, uh, when right. I, he had his little episode there. <laughs> Just waiting there. 
Now you know what to do. I can tell that's an eight mask, but or mask, but that looks fairly good. That yeah. one there, the gorilla, anyways. Well, uh oh. <laughs> and they're like <laughs> just jumping on yeah. it. <laughs> He's like, you like what I've made, basically, you know. Do you like what you've made? Yeah. Is this Mr. Inexcusable? <laughs> Might be. I think it's funny that this scene, these scenes are necessary while well, this moment. You ready? <laughs> I remember I have a picture of that somewhere on my phone. But yeah, the, uh, it's interesting that it very quickly kind of has to sort of like expediously be like, okay, he's leading all this real yeah. quick. Like, how would he communicate these things to them? Well, yeah. I don't know, but whatever. Like, huh. you can see the. Yeah. The person behind their eyes. But yeah, it's like Fight Club. All it's he does like is just stand there and look at him. Revolution yeah. starts to take place. Right. What happens in Fight Club? <laughs> it well, starts still with having... a sock, it ends with a bomb. Yeah. Like... That, uh, Love 2, he's still not even using any speech. He's. Yeah. Well, here he is. He had to contradict me right after I said that. Not to them, yeah. exactly. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Getting lit. Straight up on fire. He's excited and he's like, too. I'm crazy. Yeah. Like. <laughs> The latest eight disobedience figures. Uh-oh. Getting guns now. This is where it all begins. Uh -huh. <laughs> One, you know, that. Hundred. Chittering. What have we become? It's like Star Wars stuff in the background. Yeah, that's what I was saying. This, some yeah. of the set design reminds me of that. I will be fascist. Like, yeah. Well, that much has been proven so far. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't go like a rollerball direction where they just put on, put them, make them wear like football helmets and some kind of suits and just yeah. go to town beating and killing each other off, but. Well, 
Oh, and I did look that McDonald is a character in the next movie, but he's played by another actor. That's okay. what I was trying to remember because I, like, I felt like he was in that, but it was it was the same character. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, no, that is a different actor, but yeah. How fast this plot just starts moving after yeah. this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they were yawning and then they looked at the clock and they're watching. Oh, crap. We got to really yeah. get the accelerator on this. What I really like about all these scenes is the uh, totally heightened, like, you know, like bureaucracy and like the way all these things run. It's like very, feels very real. Like yeah. it's all these like red tape and all this and that. And, you know. Not. He's like, I'm screwing you. <laughs> Brick would later will basically later say, as George Costanza said, "You're all screwing me." <laughs> so. Come, Dobby. Come, Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you like the new movies, no, that are not Harry Potter, the Wizarding World of Wizarding World of, yeah. no, I haven't seen any of those, and I don't plan on doing it either. So, I was dumb enough to see the first one. Yeah, I wouldn't say dumb. I mean, you got to give it a chance, but you did, so I didn't have to. Yeah, you know? that was it for me. I did that with the Hobbit, that first Hobbit movie. I watched that, and was like, nope. You watched all of them, I think, right? The yeah, battle of the five movies or endings yeah. or hours or whatever it is, yeah. Yes, Mr. Governor. We For real, how do you take one Hobbit book and make it into three movies? That's just all-time baffle, baffling behavior. That's among the closest looks we have of the one of these faces. Yeah. It looks really good still. Yeah. I think. Especially he obviously his they put way more work in. McDowell. Oh my God. McDowell talks to McDonald. For a mixed surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What if you can go through the McDonald's drive so I'll have a mixed surprise and there's like just give you a random thing item on the menu.
among the many confusing things of somebody from the past coming to the future, it's like to say the phrase of one day you will eat a McNugget. Yeah. How confused they would be by that statement. So, again, this guy recovers pretty quickly from this revelation that yeah. Caesar can talk. Where it's at least Star Wars mm-hmm. moment. Everything about that. Yeah, I got your stormtroopers. I mean, much more in line with the ori- stormtroopers, the original. The OG. Yeah. You know. wait down here I was gonna hang out I'll do your running around hey hey How desolate all this looks. Yeah. Like nobody's out vibing, hanging out in the North American 1991 era, you know. It'd be really cool if there was like skates riding around on skateboards, like, you know, yeah. in this area, you know, just. Yeah, I guess presumably this would still be Los Angeles because they were in Los Angeles in the first, yeah. in the last movie, so. Couldn't you just see a ape like doing a half pipe and then taking the skateboard and bashing all these humans over yeah. the head with it? Put him under that old tell the truth thing. The authenticator. Like, okay. <laughs> He was almost looking back at him like huh, he thinks we don't do that to humans yeah. like huh like do what that's just shocking him 
this is a few years before, you know, uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, which has very bracing uh, scenes yeah. of uh, electroshock treatment. They finally broke. Make him move. 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 Can you repeat that again? I gotta get that down for the transcript. He's smarter than their game. Yeah. He's dead. <laughs> okay. Scott Ackerman, question mark. Again, you see it, it does look a lot like him. <laughs> Incognito, question mark, question mark, question mark. I don't know. Or he's just Don Murray. Hmm. I don't know. Like he's annoyed. <laughs> like, you're mad. I care. Well, this guy's gonna care a lot here in a second. I care so much he's gonna kill him. Caring will kill ya! <laughs> well. Goodbye. He did a judo chop! Well, yeah. <laughs> In honor of awesome powers. International man of mystery. The spy who shagged me. Yeah. Like <laughs> for a while they were gonna We're do another gonna talk about that last one. Austin Powers movie, uh What was her name? 
Well, there was talk of maybe doing a Doctor Evil spinoff, I think. In development since 2005, but it's installed. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Ignition. Come on, kill me, I'm here! Do it now, kill me! <laughs> Planet of the Apes versus Predator, you know? Yeah. Running, running right. No, we ain't gonna be managed anymore. Like, we're not gonna be managed. You know, like, we're not gonna take it. It's I guess. The great song. <laughs> no. Not. <laughs> it's not necessarily one of the worst songs ever either, but it's closer to that, I think, than best. <laughs> By falling over. Wow. <laughs> How many people are gonna fall down these steps? I do kind of like the idea that the apes don't really have to be coerced or talked into doing this. Yeah. It's very like, yeah, why wouldn't we like yeah. rebel? You know. Well, it's clear that they are angry and don't yeah. like it. So it's right. Like, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> It's weird because these apes kind of look cute to me or something. It's like, yeah. oh, how nice. But then they're going around like, you know, killing people. <laughs> we'll see where that gets you. <laughs> right around the neck. They love the neck in yeah. these movies, you know? Get the guns. Come on. Uh-oh, got flamethrowers involved now. Well, that guy waited a little while. I was yeah. like, oh, come over here. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'll, I'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, stealth mode. walking around you yeah, know just vibing take a stroll mm-hmm. <laughs> just jumping over the flames got a you know a little orangutan thrown in there too 
Just remind you that there's still characters yeah. in these movies. Yeah, that was what was interesting. Is like one of the kind of main uh, ape characters in the reboots is a big orangutan yeah. kind of, you know. But well, we'll see Giamatti playing one in the Burton one, and then also Paul Williams in the next movie. But we won't get there yet. Oh yeah. He's like, oh, all will be dealt with. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, uh, <laughs> oh, buddy, oh, buddy, we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, sure. Things are about to get lit. That kerosene. Yeah. The long march. <laughs> that real so- yeah. somber. Yeah. Is that okay? Like. <laughs> And in the right squad, basically now. Well, they won't win, so. Spoiler, like. <laughs> Which again, a lot of this imagery that we're gonna see, apart from the, you know, apes running around. Yeah. Uh, as far as, police in right gear, would be something that, the American public was all too accustomed to throughout practically every summer of the mid to late sixties. Yeah. Every summer was riots in some major city, if not multiple major cities. We've been seeing a lot of that recently, too, so in our contemporary time. Yeah. So. That's one revelation I had. About two years ago, I went to uh, Oxford, Mississippi with uh, our cousin uh, Philip. Mm-hmm. He had an academic paper he was presenting. And Oxford, Mississippi was, of course, the site of when James Meredith and 62 and 63 uh, attending the campus and the massive demonstrations and anti-meritist stuff that was held obviously very uh, white racists in mm-hmm. Mississippi and it required the uh, U.S. Marshals and the National Guard to be called in to protect him um, it really does kind of some a revelation you have in the uh, you know obviously why do these things happen of course racism played a yeah. massive overwhelming part in all of them but there is something about the heat in certain places of the that time of the year that just openly yeah. invites kind of people to act on their wildest and craziest impulses. Yeah. Um, 
and that was certainly true for you know again most rights police action rights basically happen mostly in the summer because again it's just when people were more out to be willing to protest but also something about the just the weather and the environment just yeah causes something in people to snap in terms of their impulse control How quiet all this yeah. is. With the knife, yeah. Don't get their guns. are on the loose ape muck you know yeah instead of the classic duck muck ape muck say no to that I know that doesn't work nope what's really chilling about this is that there's not like 
a back and forth dialogue going on. No. It's just very, you know, silent in their approach. Got a fire bomber waiting in the wings, you know. Well, he's like just waiting, yeah. like <laughs> for his big moment. That didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> In the human's case. Yeah. And again, I really do wonder how many apes there are, like, that yeah. uh, they've amassed this many. That they wouldn't be afraid or expectant that this would happen. I guess in some ways they were, but... Yeah. Didn't stop it from happening. chaos of how this is being filmed too yeah. like and edited <laughs> see some of these fake masks in here you know yeah, yeah this is Planet of the Apes Battle of the Algiers edition yeah he's getting into the spirit R.I.P. to a hero. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> total, total death. death flank. Yeah. <laughs> Again, didn't you think this would happen? Like, that's what I kind of like about this, though, is. Uh, I don't want to get too, like, pretentious in Galaxy Brain here, but the sense we keep talking about how many apes are there, what I kind of like about this movie is that even in even in that moment, it's like literally nature is overtaking yeah. man once again of, like, there's always more than you think there is, like, yeah. you know, and you can kind of screw with it as much as you want, but ultimately Neglected. it's going to, and you're, it's going to kill you, like, yeah. so... Goodbye. Got the M16, you know. 
wow. Blood. was literally <laughs> shit. No, I mean, it's no wonder why this almost got an R. Like, it was getting close, you know. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised that it was even still able to get a PG. Yeah. Burning the books. <laughs> oh, they're all still, of course, wearing their jumpsuits. Like. Yeah. I haven't had time to change yet. You know. Burn the furniture. Nobody gets to sit down anymore. Yeah. Don Rumsfeld would be into that because he, yeah. he'd always like standing up at his desk. I think we'll leave it there on yeah. Rumsfeld. No, you know it's one of those things they say. You don't have nothing nice to say. Don't yeah. say it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, yeah. yeah. They clearly do. So he's in such denial. Like, yeah. just, just accept it. REM style. Sorry, <laughs> REM would say. <laughs> No, no, we got another movie. And Culp is going to be your hero, mm -hmm. in quotes. <laughs> like, wow. What's the end of that? Well, I don't know. Let's give them... Let's see if they can recover. Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Just dead, like... All the blood on that yeah. guy. Brex fighting to the end. Yeah. You gotta respect it from a fascist, you know? Yeah. What are they doing? Make sure they're dead. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's shaking him like, oh, yeah. are you alive? I know. Because if so, we'll kill you. We're apes, but we'll kill you. Yeah. You got something to say? Like. 
Wow. Yeah, weak, weak rationalization on that, you know. No clip in the M sixteen. Yeah. It's like when you get ratioed, you know, on Twitter. Or you have more replies than yeah. likes or retweets. Or somebody quote tweets you to dunk on you. I'm just using all these Twitter terms. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Twitter like itself's a cancer, so you know. <laughs> I like most social media and or the internet. Go off, King. Yeah. 
Nobody's got anything to say to that, do they? <laughs> Until Dane did the Anthony, uh, not Hopkins, uh, Antonio Banderas putting your hands behind oh, your yeah. head and like, oh yeah, what I just wrote that day. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. You get them confused sometimes because they're both in Masks Oh, that's true. And they're like, and... And... and you know. But now. Yeah. Now we will put tell this is very much dubbed in. Bozo dubbed over. Yeah. Like. Bozo dubstep. It is fascinating just to see this, and you see really how, uh, uh, what's the word, like, fudgeable and, like, changeable film really is. Like, yeah, they, they can have all this uh, footage, extra there, coverage yeah. that they can do a Kuleshov effect on to, like, do yeah. all that, yeah. So even that is still like, well, we won't kill him, yeah. but like, you know, still dark. I'm sure Nixon was shaking in his boots. Yeah. <laughs> if he saw any of these. Uh. No. <laughs> no, he was reportedly a big fan of Patton and like asked all his advisors, oh, have you seen Patton yet? You need to see Patton. Like, yeah, he would like that. Yeah. <laughs> If only he would have been, you know, went ape. That's some facial hair to aspire to right there. You know? Yeah. Look at that building. Yeah. Straight up fire. Well, you know. Well, fun, fun, fun right there. Hooting, shrieking, continue. <laughs> well. In its own way, it's like the original ending Fades. well in terms of the for a little while over the credits you hear the uh the waves of the beach on the in that movie but yes yeah. when you hear that for a little bit but ape with chain <laughs> well any thoughts 
One, yeah, one thought I just thought, did they show him kill Armando officially, or did he just kind of... He jumped out the window. Oh, he killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was trying to escape. Right, well, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. I just remember that. Um, what do you think's the best out of... The second best out of these after the first one, this or the last one? Because obviously the original is on the yeah, plane all its probably own. Probably this one, and then beneath. Yeah. Or, uh, but then escape. then escape. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not. Beneath. Yeah. Beneath is better than the last one. Yes. The next one we're gonna watch though. Yeah. Um. So what do you think is the second? Yeah, one? I think it's this one. I think yeah. it's between this and escape. Uh, I think escape has more. Um, I think it's a of clean, an emotionality yeah. to it. Has it has a clean. It's a cleaner movie too because. Like we kind of said, this one kind of jumps a little too quickly through itself halfway through. But the passion of it but, definitely yeah. rings through. Right. Uh, and there is a tragic element, I think, to the last one that gives it a little something. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, I mean, again, it's very fascinating that we said this back when we were talking about, it, but that Beneath was clearly like, oh, let's kind of rinse and repeat the first one, but yeah. I had the whole nuclear weapons angle and then the third one was like oh well what if we time travel to the 70s and then this one's obviously doing the work to build towards the world of the right. first movie but not quite there yet obviously but yeah and a, and a, and on its own origin story for caesar official right. too because and caesar was proclaimed as yeah. the original ape of sorts the lawgiver yeah. yeah um yeah i mean i think it's a really good movie uh i mean it's not flawless i think it has things about it that hamper it from being really good but i think it's a flawed masterpiece i mean because i think there's a lot of things about it that are really great um i think that would make it be just below the first movie if it weren't for minor uh flaws but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree with that and i think that uh it's a good example of of franchise being in its fourth movie and and it could have played things a lot safer but it it definitely didn't yeah. I think that's a model that more franchises should frankly follow, or uh, film franchise series. Um, any other thoughts before we Not really, wrap uh, it up? It's a movie that speaks for itself, I think, in its uh, rage. Um, like I said, it's a very interesting uh, movie. Very ahead of its time, I think, to be making a movie like this. I, I, I could see a movie like this being made in the 80s or 90s, but in the 70s, I think it's especially telling uh mm-hmm. and really revolutionary right. so that does it for this episode on conquest of the planet of the apes which we agree that is so far the second best out of these uh, uh i think that i think you mean in general because no so far but well, so far it is but yeah so far uh i'm just saying that uh, you know later on we'll get oh, to well, the oh new you're mo- saying in oh, general other movies yes, yeah, yeah. yeah no but i thought you're saying the next one was going to beat it or something no like, no, no no that no. you were teasing it we're not going to tease you on that no uh <laughs> the next film will be the last of this original five um battle for the planet of the apes from the very next year 1973 anything to preview before we uh, uh jump to that it's actually a pretty forgettable movie i'll be honest so i don't remember an awful lot about i remember things about it like there's the character Aldo is like a general, kind of like Ursus, but uh, and he's wanting to do things differently, and there's kind of a power struggle between him and Caesar. Um, and then that uh, Culp is kind of the uh, leader of the mut- mut- already mutated humans, kind of at that point, and they drive around in school buses. It's very goofy. Um, about, about it, expect the uh, you know the 
killer from Dirty Harry to pop up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's uh, always driving around. Robin, uh, what's his name? Andrew Robinson or Andy Robinson? I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, it's a it, it's a whatever movie. It, 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 I. But I feel like it is sort of necessary to wrap things up, and I think there are things about it that are interesting, like the ending of the movie, um, where. Uh, it kind of has some of the Lawgiver stuff and John Houston in it, and I think some of that's interesting. But as far as the rest of the movie, it's kind of a... It's, I think it's the most similar to, visually, to the first Planet of the Apes of the group of movies um, because it looks like a lot of the same sets. It's mostly in the Ape City. Ape City. Yeah. Um, but there are some stuff in the human sections and stuff too, but like city, ruined cityscapes. But I mean, it, it's, I mean, I, like I said, I don't have a whole lot to preview because it's actually a pretty, especially compared to this movie, this is a real bang and that's a real whimper of a, uh, yeah. final movie. Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting in its own right and, uh, you know, honestly, um, I'm surprised it was even made after this. Yeah, uh, I mean, this made money, so yeah. uh, the, uh, and it was made for the exact same amount of money too. It was made for 1.7 million, and it made a little less than this, but it still made money. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess at that point, they probably just realized, all right, we need to just quit making these and just give up on this. And well, um, I don't know. Um, if you know Dean was kind of bored with it or just yeah, didn't know what to really do because he had served as kind of the godfather it seems like creatively for a lot of these movies yeah. uh, for for a period you know right and uh, and I mean what he did for these movies I mean he is you know I'd say there's like three major voices of the Planet of the Apes and that's like you know Rod Serling and uh, Michael oh, Wilson was Michael that Will yeah Wilson kind of together Paul Dean and then um um uh, Matt P. Jacobs, uh, no that uh Matt Reeves oh Matt Reeves um, yeah. I think those are kind of the main true voices of these movies and uh of this whole franchise so we're coming to the end of one that honestly I wasn't as aware of if I feel dumb that he you know as a fan I should have known that by now but uh what, probably the most uh, other than Sterling, of course, the most influential sure. voice of these movies, and and uh, and so in that way, it it will be interesting to return to that and study it as what it is. But uh, it has Paul Williams uh, shooting a gun. We love Paul eight, Williams, by so, the way. I mean, yeah, you know, um, we can have a conversation about Paul Williams yeah, next yeah, time because yeah. there's a lot to talk about right. with him. Uh, but but yeah, so what the good the good news is is uh, I've really liked watching these, but. Uh, we'll kind of get a jump start on the newer ones, and that'll be its own thing to talk about. Uh, I think that the next movie will serve as like, yeah, all right, we're running out of steam, both as the movie itself and, and our interest in talking about it, in a way. So Right. So, this is Kyle. This is Levi. Take care. God bless.